Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where we go through the Bible book by book in a way that is deep, but also easy to understand. If you would like to follow along with us, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the Solid Life Whole Bible Reading Plan. We also have physical reading plans available in the church lobby every Sunday. Yeah, and with that, if you have any questions that you would like to get answered about the Bible, email your questions to info at grove.church. Obviously, we can't get to every single question, um, but we have been loving the questions that have been submitted. Um, but you know, we do, we do want to do our best. So we do Q and a episodes, um, at the end of every month, we just released one two weeks ago, two, yeah, two, two weeks, weeks ago. ago. Um, so check it out for the month of February. Um, but man, with that, let's get into our Bible talk for today. So this week we are, uh, I'm going to, a little bit of spoilers. We are starting the book of Leviticus Ooh. and Leviticus is, uh, if you've been in church for a long time, there's kind of a running joke among Christians that, uh, you know, you say that you're going to read the whole Bible in a year and then you get past Genesis and Exodus and it's going awesome. And then you get to Leviticus and then you just kind of quit there. And so, uh, our goal with this podcast, as always, um, is to help all of us read the Bible in a way that is easy to understand. And so sometimes we go through narrative books of the Bible. And what I mean by that is books that tell stories. So Genesis, Exodus, Job, the Gospels, Job, just sort of saying, yeah, like all to, of those. To an extent, Job is more of a wisdom literature, but it's yeah. also a story. And so I don't think we need a ton of help reading through the narrative portions of scripture. We kind of get how that genre works, but there's a few other, like the prophetic books, the books of law, which is uh, Leviticus is a book of law, that we want to take some intentional time today um, and really help everyone walk through it. So that's actually going to be the majority of our podcast. But before we get to Leviticus, we're going to talk about the book before Leviticus, which is Exodus. And that is the book that we're wrapping up this week. And a couple reminders that I just want to um, give a quick overview of the book. Exodus is a book that reminds us of God's mercy. He hears the cries of his people, he rescues them, and he begins a new covenant with him. We see in Exodus over and over again the incredible mercy and love that God has for his people. And I think it's important for us to take that out of the book. The people of Israel are enslaved for hundreds of years. God hears their prayers. He sends Moses. He sends Aaron. And he really does incredible miracles so that the Pharaoh of Egypt is forced to let his people go. And then he promises them an incredible land. And so we see a lot of God's mercy. What we also see at times, and this is going to continue, is Israel's rejection of God. We talked about it a little bit last week. Um, We'll talk about a little bit again today, that in the face of God's love and mercy, uh, oftentimes Israel forgets or outright rejects God. And that should sound familiar because I think that's... um, That's the story of so many of our walks with Jesus is that we see his love, we see his provision in our lives, and we just kind of forget about it. Yeah, I think it's – honestly, here's the deal. And and I'm not saying the Israelites get a bad rap, but I think in our 21st century mind, we're so quick to say those stupid Israelites. How dare them? But then like, guys, we doubt ourselves. You know what I mean? And and we don't take ownership as well. And, you know, it just kind of proves – like God's faithfulness through the entirety of the, not just the Bible, but the entirety of humankind. Yeah. There's an old hymn that I love called Come Thou Fount. And of one of course there's an old hymn. That hey, listen, love. hymns are awesome. Okay. Uh, but there's, there's a line from it that just says prone to wander, Lord, I feel it prone to leave the God I love. And it's really this idea of 
even in the midst of God's incredible love and mercy, we still feel the pull away from him. And so what we see with Israel, and and I would encourage all of us, you know, instead of just looking back with kind of, you know, chronological snobbery, like C.S. Lewis calls it, but like, you idiots, what are you doing? Like examine, let's all examine our own lives and say, and and look into where in our lives have we seen the glory of God and yet still uh, rejected him. The book of Exodus ends with the tabernacle being erected. Now the tabernacle is basically the first temple. It's a little bit different in that it's a tent, it's portable, it moves with the people of Israel. Because if you haven't read it, spoiler alert, they are wandering in the wilderness right now. I feel like it's not a spoiler if it's currently happening. It's true, but I'm saying if they didn't read it. That's fair. If you didn't read it, then you know, read Exodus. What are you guys yeah. doing? It's a great book. You're behind. <laughs> you're, you're a little bit behind. Um, but I think it's a, it's a really fitting way to end that book because it's really um, the symbol of God's covenant with Israel is this new is this new tabernacle, this new place where his glory dwells. In the tabernacle, we have the Ark of the Covenant, we have the law, we have all these different things. And I think it's great that the book of Exodus ends there. And with that, we're going to get into the book of Leviticus. Yes, Leviticus. Um, first things first, um, let's just be real. Leviticus is a very intimidating book. Um, there are many, many, many pastors in the world that probably have actually never read Leviticus. Um, and there's a couple of reasons why. I think first things first, um, a lot of people look at Leviticus as just a bunch of old laws that no longer have any application to us. Um, I'm a few weeks ago, it might've been in a Q and a episode. We were talking about reading scriptures in context, knowing what, and we're talking about, um, you know, tattoos. And I mean, a lot of people are like, well, tattoos are evil. And then we read in context and we're like, okay, well, does that law still apply to us? Well, the heart of that law was, um, worshiping other idols. But really, um, the, the book of Leviticus, it's actually very beautiful in, if we read it in the right light. You see, Leviticus shows God's concern for his people and his desire to have fellowship with them. Um, and this actually becomes more and more prevalent as we read this book more carefully. Um, every detailed regulation recorded in Leviticus is a revelation from God through Moses for his people. And so this is God really trying to have relationship with his people. God, uh, with these laws, have personally instructed the Israelites of how to live before him. Um, Christian readers sometimes get lost in the regulation, and not just Christian readers. I think a lot of people um, that want to point out why um, Christianity is not um, relevant will point to a lot of stuff in Leviticus, um, it's always fun when people who uh, have never read Leviticus point to it as a reason like why, like, well, I don't like Christianity because of this. Like, bro, yeah. you've never even – You're wearing looked, a blended shirt. Like, you've never even looked into this. Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. And and so sometimes we get lost in all of the regulation and the governing various types of sacrifices, um, what or was not clean, who was eligible to be a priest and so on and so forth. However – Here's the deal. We need to read this through the lens of God desiring relationship with his people and to live with them. When we do this, the law actually comes to life and it's no longer rules and regulations. It is literally God yearning for relationship with his people. And setting his people apart too. I think yeah. one of the things we we kind of miss is how differently the people of Israel were compared to all of the other nations around them because they followed the law of God. Yeah. And so um, I'm going to do a really quick overview um, and then we're going to kind of hone in on some sacrifices. 
Um, the book of Leviticus is broken into six different sections. So the first uh, the first section is the system of sacrifices. That's uh, essentially chapter one through seven. Um, the second is the ordination of the priest. That's chapters eight through 10. Uh, the third section is laws concerning what is clean or unclean. That is chapters 11 through 15. Um, the fourth section is the day of atonement and purification from moral uncleanliness. That is uh, chapter 16. Uh, the fifth section is the holiness code, um, basically laws for holy living. That is chapters 17 through 26. And then uh, the sixth uh, section is the redemption of gifts and ties, which is chapter 27. So now that we've done an overview of um, the book, uh, we want to focus in on uh, the first section, which is uh, the sacrificial system. Um, there are five different types of offerings or sacrifices listed. And I want us to be aware that all of these typify who Jesus Christ is, and they foreshadow how he will be sacrificed for us. So even from the beginning of Leviticus, man, we see um, we see how Christ is foreshadowed in this. Um, the first one is this, the burnt offering. The burnt offering typifies Jesus's total submission to his father's will. I mean, when you burn something, it's, it's all or nothing. It's all consumed. It's all consumed. And this is Jesus, and it's a it's a shadow of Jesus. He is consumed with the Father's will for our for his life and for what he has been put on this earth to accomplish. The second one is this: the grain offering typifies Christ's sinless service. In the grain offerings, things would need to be perfect. They they couldn't have any flaws. They couldn't do anything. the 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 sin the 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 grain offering was a, a basically a foreshadowing of Jesus's sinlessness. Um, the third one is the peace offering. And this alludes to the fellowship that believers had with God or have with God through the work of the cross. And, uh, you know, we, we read in Romans and we read in a lot of the Pauline literature, which is the, the letters that Paul has written, that we have peace with God through what Jesus did on the cross. Maybe you've heard the phrase, the Roman road, um, you know, Paul says, therefore, we have been justified and we have been made right in the eyes of God through what Jesus has done for us. And this is um, just a foreshadowing of the fellowship that we will have with God through the work of the cross. The fourth one, however, is um, the sin offering. And this typifies Christ as um, our guilt bearer. And verse or chapter four, um, it's pretty heavy. And you read it, and it's pretty gory. And really what this is, though, it's it's God demonstrating to the Israelites that sin requires sacrifice. That, sin, that sin's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And I think so, so often for us today, we can look at – we can look at sin and we can find ways to excuse it, if that makes sense. Yeah. And and the, the thing um, that we always have to keep in, in mind for Christians is that our salvation comes through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Yeah. And that's not because sin's not a big deal. The reason our, our salvation comes that way isn't because, you know, God was looking at sin. He said like, well, this isn't a big deal. Like if you just, you know, just trust me and you'll be fine, you know, whatever it is. No, it's because sin was such a big deal that we couldn't overcome it on our own. Yeah. And when we read through Leviticus, a huge theme of the book is the holiness of God. Yeah. That God is so holy in that um, 
we are so tainted by sin that we have to do all of these incredible things to keep, you know, and I, I love the language of peace with God because I think sometimes we can gloss over that language, but particularly in Romans and coming out of it, the, the idea is that Christ's sacrifice gives us peace with God. Yeah. It allows us to um, no longer fear God's wrath, but rather to uh, to see it for to see God's love, to see God's redemption, all of these different things. And Leviticus is is a great reminder of how seriously God takes sin and how holy and really other God is. Yeah, and I mean, last week we talked about um, blessed is the the man who dwells or delights himself in the law of the Lord. This is what we're talking about. We're not talking just about the Ten Commandments. We're talking about Leviticus. And when the writers say that, and there's these promises that are that are with it, it's it's not um, just literature that we read and say, well, thank God Jesus is here because I would never do that. This was the way of Christian, or I guess not Christianity, but this was the the Israelites' way of having unity and relationship with God. And and God doesn't just do things flippantly. He doesn't just put rules and regulations just to make us jump through a bunch of hoops. He desired relationship with the Israelites and he desired um, offerings to be made and, and sacrifices to be made so that we could come into relationship with him. And as we conclude our fifth type of offering or, or sacrifice, um, this one was the trespass offering. And this typifies Christ as our payment for the damages of sin. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But I love how verse 17 continues. It says, Christ did not come into this world to abolish the law but to fulfill it. Yeah, and this is what it's talking about. And and speaking of John, really, that's uh, we're in the first part of it right there. What a transition! What yeah, you know, see, it ruins it every time though when you bring up the transition. Now nah, you know it's all good. Um, but I, I wanted to highlight something coming out of our our discussion of the law, almost seemingly on the completely other end of the spectrum, and really the first miracle that the book of John records, and we know that chronologically this is the first miracle actually that Jesus does. This is his first demonstration of his power um, in this way, but it's turning water into wine at a wedding feast in Cana. And I, I think it's so interesting because none of the other gospels include this. And I, and I, I kind of understand why. Like when you're, when you're looking at the the ministry of Jesus, you're not thinking of this one as one of like the great miracles. You're thinking of, well, he fed the 5,000, he walked on water and he, you know, made people who had never walked before get back up and walk, people who were blind, all these different things. And what this miracle shows is a really intimate portrait of who Jesus is and caring about the little things. Mm -hmm. And just, just as kind of a refresher, if we've read through it, Jesus goes to a wedding feast. They run out of wine. At that time, that was a big deal. You don't want to do that. And so Jesus brings out, basically tells them to bring in jugs of water, and he turns it into wine for those wedding guests. And in fact, it's so good that the people uh, even, or the the coordinator of the, the wedding feast even says like, well, wait, you weren't supposed to save the best wine for last. Like you're supposed to bring that out first. Um, but it's it's really this picture of Jesus caring about such a little thing as that. Yeah. And um, also let's be aware of, let's read into the backstory a little bit. This miracle comes about because Jesus's mother walks up to him and basically says, they've run out of wine, do something about it. 
So Jesus, and this, this is his first recorded miracle, but his mother, his own mother, who knows him best, has faith that he can do this. So we see Jesus was probably doing things before this as well. And I love even just the faith that uh, that Mary displays. And we see at this point, she's she's pretty aware of yeah. who Jesus is because she just looks at the servants and says, do whatever he tells you. Yeah. <laughs> I love that line well, so I, much. I feel like if you can, con- and, and I'm not saying this like jokingly, right? I'm, I'm saying this is a way that we can be sure of who Jesus is. If you can convince your mother and not only just your mother, but your own brother that you are the Messiah, like it must be real. Like we see James, Jesus's brother is one of his close followers and disciples. And he ends mm-hmm. up writing a book. Like this is how we know Jesus is who he says he is. Because if you can get your brother to be on board with these radical claims, like it must be true. Yeah. If I came forward and said that I was perfect and sinless, uh, my mom and my brother would be among the first people to, uh, to quickly correct that. Yes. They would smack you down. Well, and with that being said, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up for this week. It's going to be a little bit of a shorter podcast, but I hope you guys were able to enjoy it. Uh, just a reminder, we are a podcast of the Grove Church, but we are not the only podcast of the Grove Church. You can find all of our other resources and podcasts on our website at grove.church. And don't forget to, uh, if you're liking the podcast, spread it around, tell your friends, leave a review. It really helps us out. It helps get the word out, uh, not just about the podcast, but also just building a community of people, being able to read the Bible together. We will see you all next week.